after this morning, and I'm going to ask you here, just, to, uh, just in a minute, I'm going to ask you to give and speak out. We're not passing a microphone. I'm not asking you to ask questions. Just one word, one phrase, three words, whatever. You can raise your hand, and I'll recognize just, uh, just by way of a response to this morning. Any response that comes to your mind, be thinking about that. Uh, I want you to know how Chuck uh, DeClean responded. Basically, he, you know, I said, so Chuck, after today, are you a lame duck? And uh, apparently the answer was no, because he went out and led a couple to Christ about an hour later. <laughs> Way to go. Amen. Clap your hands. Praise the Lord. So, okay. I'm looking for one word, one phrase's response about just from this morning. I want to hear from you. Raise your hand. Over here, Grant. Which says? Great. So for those listening online, it's Proverbs 16:9. Man plans his way. The heart of man plans the way. The Lord directs his step, which is a great biblical illustration of one of the things we talk about. Somebody else? Nobody else has a response. Wow. Okay, I'll take wow. I'll take wow. Jeez. That's good. Someone else, raise your hand. Give me a, give me a, give me a one word. One, yes. Grateful. Grateful. Judy. We need, to pray. we need to pray. I like that. Not just cool. There's heaviness there. What else? Sovereignty. Sovereignty. Another. Doesn't that be one word? Well, we need to pray is more than one, so... Gratitude. Thoughts that came to your mind from this morning. Anyone else? Gemma. There are fish to catch in North Ankeny. <laughs> there are fish to catch in North Ankeny, and plenty of them. Amen. Somebody else raised their hand over here. Yes, Melanie. Say that again. Ah. From someone in, her, in the cell group, in Chuck's cell group, right? I thought I had more time to get to know them better. Well, it's, that's a true statement. Praise the Lord. Someone else? Over here. Surprising but very fitting. Surprising but fitting. I like that. Going, going, going. There's somebody got a hand up. Yes. Okay, so to see you talking about Isaiah 6, they, answer, they answered the call, the same call that Isaiah got from the Lord. Whom shall I go? Who shall I send, rather? And he said, here am I, Lord, send me. Very good. Okay, um, yes, over here. <laughs> That's a good one to end on. More people, more like Jesus. Did you hear that, Jason? Cha-ching. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, um, as I said uh, this morning, I know you have a lot of questions, and we have a January 13th meeting, and uh, just pray, think fast. Some exciting things are going to be coming. I'm excited about what the Lord's going to do. Uh, I've been gone for the last couple of weeks, and uh, we were in Europe 
where we uh, saw this is the door or the area. That's not the actual door. That's brown. It's kind of hard to nail something to a bronze door. But uh, that is the very area where Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses. This is the, this is the same floor of the picture I showed you earlier this morning. This is the very area Martin Luther would have, was wrestling with the whole business of salvation. Romans 1.17, uh, the just shall live by faith. It's, it's, many think it's here that he was genuinely converted. Uh, this is uh, Vortberg Castle where he hid and uh, disguised himself as a janitor for a couple of years and translated the Bible into German. This is uh, his study. Uh, and there's even a place where there's a story of how he was, he was um, attacked, so to, so to speak, by the, you know, by the devil. He had famous stories of being tempted by the devil, and he threw an inkwell at him. And there's the ink spot right on the wall. Actually, they put it there because people wanted to see it. But it's there somewhere anyway. And, uh, but that's his actual study where he studied and translated the Bible. Uh, just saw some beautiful sights, very quaint towns here. And... Uh, and, and this is where we ended up, at the Reformation Wall. Um, and I wanted to share this with you because, th- if you're not familiar, with it, we ended up, it started in Prague and ended up in Geneva, which was like, uh, the, they call it the Protestant Rome at the time. Uh, the second man from the left is John Calvin. He's the biggest figure, even though he himself was not that big of a man. Uh, the guy in front of him was the man who, who his name was Farrell. He was the guy who said, you will come to Geneva and be the pastor here. He said, no, I'm just passing through. I don't want to be a teacher. I want to be an educator. I'm a theologian. And Pharaoh said, may God curse your studies if you don't stay here and pastor. He took it as a word from God and stayed there. Got kicked out, came back. The man next to him, Beza, is the one who followed him. And the other one is John Knox. Those are, they're not the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They are uh, huge men of the Reformation. But you'll notice the, the guys who preceded them, whose shoulders they stand upon, are not in that picture. But they're, uh, they're amongst the monument. You've got to go off the monument. You see two monuments on the side. One is to Luther and the other is to Zwingli, uh, two of the men who began the Reformation and where we began several days earlier up in, north, up in, uh, up in Germany. And uh, it, like all art, and our guide was really good at showing us this uh, and, and that all the art has, is telling us, it tells a story. And even here, the story was, even these great men of the Reformation stood on the shoulders of somebody else, and they stood on the shoulders of somebody else, and we stand on the shoulders of somebody else, and you stand on the shoulders of somebody else. That's why we should be grateful, eternally grateful. Uh, Kelvin, again pictured second from the left, we don't even know where he's buried. Apparently, that's the way he wanted it to be. Knox, the one on the far right, he's buried under number 23, a parking lot, number 23, and there's a little tiny plaque. That's where he's buried underneath there. Talk about ignominious, you know, memorial. But there's something about uh, living being grateful for those whose shoulders you stand upon and not being worried about your legacy, but to be more concerned about raising up the name of Jesus Christ. Amen? And there's all kinds of ways to do that. You start by knowing him and then by serving him. And our theme, I mean, this is one of our value statements. You can see it. Let's read it together. Service. Jesus made himself nothing for me, 
So I will consider the needs of others before my own, which comes right out of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 4, doesn't it? Um, all kinds of ways to serve within the church. We just had a membership class the other night and listed this multiplicity of ways in which you can serve, and you should serve. But there's also ways to serve outside of the church. Ministries that are Christian, distinctly Christian, and are outside of the church are often called parachurch ministries. Uh, the prefix para means simply alongside. It's a Greek prefix, actually. It means to be alongside. So these are ministries that sort of straddle alongside the church and are really dependent upon the church in many ways. Uh, and so tonight we have several of those ministries that will be presenting themselves to us. The first one, in some case, the first gal doesn't need any introduction because she's been around for a long time. On the other hand, I don't want to assume anything. So I'm going to introduce to you Jeannie Thomas, who is a director of the Alpha Women's Center, and I'll let her talk about that. Jeannie was the former pastor's wife here, but the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. So she's still in the ministry in a parachurch way, so let's give it up for Jeannie Thomas, okay? Strap in, they gave me seven minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, Alpha Women's Center is a gospel-focused pro-life organization that is dedicated to saving lives, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. We do that by offering practical help for today, as well as hope for tomorrow. We are a pregnancy resource center. Pregnancy is our platform, but the gospel is our purpose. Everything we do is free. Pregnancy tests, classes, Bible studies, our resource closet with maternity clothing, children's clothing up through size 2T, diapers, wipes, formula. We're trying to remove the reasons that a woman would choose abortion. We want to encourage the choice for life, and then we want to let these women know that they don't have to walk through this on their own. We want to walk beside them. We want to come alongside and help support that choice. So tonight, I brought along my fetal models, which I know you can all see from back there, but the good news is I will be hanging out up here after the service tonight, and you can come up and talk to me and see them closer if you'd like to. These represent a child from seven to 10, week, seven to 10 weeks gestation, and we like to use these when a woman comes, woman comes in and is pregnant. We want to show her what's going on in her body. We want to show her that what's going on in her body is that a person is growing there. This is going on in her body, but this is not her body. This is another person's body. Sometimes the baby has a different blood type from mom. Very often, the baby is a different sex from mom. How many guys are here tonight? Not a trick question, I promise. So you can see that you are a different person from mom because your mom's a girl, right? And always, the baby has its own unique, individual set of fingerprints. Now, what are fingerprints used for? To establish identity. And that's what we want mom to see, that this little baby has its own unique, individual identity that is created in the image of God and is precious just as she is. We want to intersect with women in their time of need, whether it's for a test to find out if they're pregnant 
or for material resources to help care for a young child. We serve women from the start of pregnancy up through two years of age, so it's a narrow window where they can take advantage of the resources that we have, and we want to make the best use of that time. Whether it's teaching them life skills or how to parent well, or speaking with them about eternal things, because this life is not all there is. We want to address not just their physical need, but also their spiritual need. We want to reach abortion-vulnerable women, and some of those women are in the church. I've told you before, research states that abortion is actually higher, a higher rate of occurrence in the church because of fear, shame, feeling like the situation is impossible. In the 30 years that I've been a part of this church, I've known of a handful of crisis pregnancies. For much of that time, my husband was the counseling pastor here. If anyone should have known about a crisis pregnancy, it would have been us because we were on the team of first responders. So if these women didn't come to the church for help, where did they go? To the world? I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see these precious women believe that they could ask the church, someone in the church, for help, and that they would be treated with grace and compassion. Alpha exists not to be the church, but to help the church, to come alongside and help in these areas. Now, how can this church help Alpha? Pray. Pray for wisdom for the staff, for the volunteers, for me as the director. Pray for opportunities to share the gospel. Pray that hearts would be open to hear the gospel. Pray for our clients that their hearts would be tender towards the lives of the unborn. Pray that we would be seen. You have to be seen in order to be considered. Pray that laws would change. Earlier this year, Governor Kim Reynolds signed the heartbeat bill into law and it was promptly challenged by Planned Parenthood and others. Pray for those who will be making the legal defense for this bill. Oral arguments should begin in early December. Pray that the heart of the judge would be turned toward life. Donations. This year, we have the largest budget that we have ever attempted. And we have a gap that we need to make up between what our annual donations have been and what we expect our expenses to be. We're trying to expand our vision, and that will require expanded funding. Do you have a specific skill that you would be willing to use for Alpha? Come tell me about it. Give me your business card. Give me your contact information. A few times a year, I put together a bulk mailing where I need to mail out newsletters to about 500 addresses. I would be happy to have help with that if you want to let me know that you would be available. We can always use diapers, wipes, um, diapers especially size four to six. The larger sizes go through faster. Uh, currently, we could use maternity winter clothing. For those who want to work with their hands, make us some fleece-tied blankets. Those things fly off of our shelves once the cold weather sets in. Make us some gift baskets that we can give to our moms that have new babies. These are some of the ways that you express the dignity and value of life. You demonstrate that their lives matter, that they count, that they're noticed and cared for and prayed for. If you want to volunteer at one of my centers, come and talk to me. Or you can go to our website for more information. Thank you.
First of all, thank you for allowing me to come in this evening. Um, I'm with a ministry called Crossroad Ministries. We minister at Fort Des Moines in the Women's Fresh Start facilities here in Des Moines. I've been doing that for a little over 30 years. I've been there about five years. My name is Pastor Frank Wilson. And what she said, I really like a lot of what she said. And it really goes hand in hand with what we do as well. We need churches to come alongside us and minister to these men and women and help them make right decisions. Right decisions are so important. We see it every day in our lives. And, you know, I tell people, they ask me when I do what I do, I do it because God called me to do it. But the real fact is that everybody sitting in this room, before they knew Jesus Christ, they were in prison. They were in prison by sin. And until you accepted Jesus Christ, you were in that, you were in that prison. And you were there for all eternity if you didn't make that choice. We're trying to get these men and women to understand that as well. The choices. Choices also are very important. We do a lot of things out there. We do Bible studies. We do chapel services on Thursday nights. Uh, church service on Sunday afternoons. We provide Bibles. We have a clothing closet that uh, is always in need of, of clothes for the men and women. Uh, these men and women come to us most times with what they were wearing uh, when they got convicted, when they got arrested. So it may be shorts and a t-shirt and it's January. They need some clothes. So we offer that. We offer, like I said, we offer Bible studies. We also offer biblical counseling uh, and just really trying to get these men and women focused, first of all, on changing their lives and how they change their lives is through Jesus Christ. It's a very difficult process for us because we don't get them for a whole long period of time. It may be two or three months. And they are busy. They're expected to go and work. They have to find work. So we try to work around their schedule as much as we can. Can't always do that. You know, some of the things we need, again, is what, what Jeannie said, that we need, we need people to come alongside us and volunteer and help. First and foremost, we need your prayers. We need your prayers for these men and women, prayers for those who volunteer within our uh, ministry, that we do the right things, that we do the things that will impact these men and women so that they will go out of there knowing Jesus Christ, knowing what their lives should be like as opposed to what they've been like. It's like the rest of us. We were going down this path, and we found Jesus, and we changed directions. We want these men and women to change directions as well. Some of these men, and the women as well, have been frequent visitors at, uh, at the fort and in the women's facility. I've had, I had one guy that was there 12 times. 12 times. Pretty hard-headed. Our job is to soften that. Our job is to teach them about Jesus. We, don't, we aren't able to follow up a lot on, on these men and women when they leave, which, which causes me some, some distress. But like I said, we need volunteers. We need clothing, obviously. Um, and we need financial support. We cannot do this without that. It costs money to provide the things that we provide. It costs money um, to staff our ministry. 
right now we're on a very uh, limited staff. Um, looking at him. Uh, we have a we have a lady out at the women's facility, Fresh Start, who Shauna, who's been doing this amazing job. She loves the Lord and she loves those women. And we need people that can love these people as well. This is a segment of the population that most people don't think about. They're locked away someplace, and most people say, well, they deserve what they got. Well, what about you? Did you get what you deserved? I certainly didn't. I can, my life is one of hell-raising, to be very honest with you. Should have been in prison myself, and by the grace of God, was not. These men and women need people who will look at them as fellow brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. Not as criminals, not as offenders. None of these labels that are placed on them. They're not that. They're children of God, just like the rest of us. We want to see them become what God has intended for them to become. We can't do it by ourselves. I'll be here. I have a brochure with some more information about our ministry. And I will be here afterwards, I think, like everybody else. And if you want to know more, please uh, come up and talk to me. Uh, I will try to enlighten you as much as I can. But again, please, if you can't do anything else, please, please continue to pray for us. We need the prayer. We can't do this without God at all. And we can't do it without you guys coming alongside. We need people to come alongside. Like I say, many hands makes light work. And I'm getting too old to do heavy work. So I need some people to come alongside. We need people to come out and speak talk with the men, maybe connect with them. You know, not every, every person out there is fit for every church. But there are some men out there and some women out there who will be a fit for your church right here. And I'd love to see that happen. I'd love to see these men and women engage with people who know Jesus and who love him and who follow him and will be an example and a light to these men and women. So think about that. If you need more information, come up and talk to me. And I just thank you again for allowing me to be here this evening. Thank you. Are we turned on? <laughs> okay. Good evening, Staterville Church. <laughs> um, thank you so much for letting me come and share with you about the Run To Me Foundation. My name is Gemma Sandberg, and some of you may know my face because I've been coming to Staterville Church for the last three years. Um, but I also work with the Run To Me Foundation, which is a brand new evangelistic ministry. And it's my absolute pleasure to use tonight to tell you a bit more who we are, what we do, and how my beloved Cedarville as a church can come along and join in the ministry. The first thing I want to emphasize about the Run to Me Foundation is that we are gospel-centered. Just like Pastor Pat said this morning about Cedarville Church, the gospel is everything to us. 
We want to take God's life-giving gospel and share it with people who are dead in their sin and utterly lost without Jesus Christ. We want to come alongside gospel partners and help them direct people to Christ. Because we know that when we work together, God is supremely glorified and even more lives get changed. And finally, as a gospel-centered ministry, we want to make sure that our everyday ministry life is conducted in light of the gospel. It really matters to us. So what makes us different to other gospel-centered and evangelistic ministries is that our sole focus is to use the internet in order to direct people to Christ. Now, that does not mean that we want to replace tried and trusted methods of evangelism because we know that nothing will ever replace that face-to-face interaction and that real-time relationship building is vital. But at the same time, we live in a postmodern world where technology is becoming more and more integral to our everyday lives. And we have this vast communications network in all its ugliness and in all its glory called the internet, which right now gives us access to half the world's population. We must consider how we can take this gospel giant for Christ and use it to share his message with a dying, lost, and hurting world. And we must not turn a blind eye or get in despair when we see the unrighteousness, the wickedness, the conservative censorship, and the heresy online, because Christ does not give us those options. The clear instruction from the Lord is that we should shine as lights amid a twisted and crooked generation. So we have been set up under the Lordship of Christ, and over the last while since our inception, he has made it clear to us that we are to produce high-quality, gospel-centered resources for the internet. And our prayer is that God will take our gospel-saturated resources and use those to grant people a saving knowledge of himself. In terms of fruits, so far we have produced a video presentation of the gospel, and it is available on our website and also on YouTube, and we would invite you to check it out, review it, give us your feedback, and then also use it on your social media to share it with your family members and friends as a way of witnessing to them. A new and exciting branch of our work is to develop websites and also write website content for gospel partners. And to date, we have completed an updated website for Alpha Women's Center. And right now, 
we're in the final stages of producing a website for Crossroad Ministries. <laughs> and I just, I want to say that God is really giving us a heart to serve local gospel partners who are so hard working. I, I know these guys, they are hard at it for Christ. And they are busy working with people day in, day out. And they don't necessarily have the time or the resources to develop an online presence. So that's where we step in. And lastly, in terms of our objectives and what we do, the Lord has placed into our laps the very privileged task of building an online house that we hope will become home to thousands of salvation stories. All in video format and from all over the world. And we're calling this resource Stories of Change. And the distinguishing feature of Stories of Change is that all the salvation stories will be grouped together by life struggle. So for example, gambling, abortion, depression, bereavement, so that visitors to Stories of Change can quickly access stories that best match where they're at and what their life circumstances are. And what we want through Stories of Change is to produce a formidable witness for Christ. And we wanted to demonstrate to the world that nobody, not one soul, is too far gone for God to love them, want them, and be able to change them from the inside out. So, we, Lord willing, we want to get Stories of Change version 1 up and out there by the end of this year. But we need some volunteers, and we can't do this without the help of our beloved Saderville Church. Two areas where we need stories, help with stories of change. First of all, is we need help to listen to all the salvation stories we find. They've got to be examined for theological soundness, and then they've got to be indexed by the life struggles the person is talking about. And we will provide training to help people do that. Then secondly, we would very much appreciate help to do a strategic search all around the world looking for more collections of salvation stories so that we can grow this thing. So setting aside that specific project, Stories of Change, there are other ways where we would absolutely love to have help in these early stages of our ministry. So first of all, if you are an accountant, if you are an attorney specializing in internet law, or if you are a web designer, developer, you've made websites, you know all about that, we would love to borrow some of your expertise. And like everyone else, I'll be down here afterwards, so 
come step forward. Secondly, we were awarded our charitable status in the summer. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and so I just humbly ask you to consider supporting us financially so that we can grow the Run to Me Foundation. And then finally, and most importantly, we absolutely covet your prayers because we can't do anything without the Lord. And so I would just ask you to pray to God that he will take this new little ministry called Run to Me, which uses the internet to direct people to Christ. I would ask you to pray to our sovereign, gracious God that he was establish the work of our hands. But moreover than that, my, my biggest request tonight is that the saints of Seder will pray to God that he would choose to use our meager efforts before the end of this year is out and save somebody who is lost and perishing and in desperate need of Christ. Thank you. Well, good evening, Sailorville Church. How are you? Good. My name is Ben Funkhauser, and I'm the director of a ministry called The Refuge. And uh, it's a privilege to be here tonight. Um, I'm here with my wife, my kids are down in Shine, and uh, we're from Winterset, so here's a shout out from Redeemer Church, uh, we love it down there, thankful for that. Um, but the refuge is located down in Winterset, and uh, we're a gospel-centered addictions ministry. And uh, tonight I'm excited to just tell you about what our purpose is and about what the vision for the refuge is, and uh, talk to you about how you can get involved. Um, but the refuge, our purpose statement is that we exist to take the light of the gospel into the darkness of addiction. And uh, we're really passionate about that, really passionate about taking the gospel to the darkness of addiction. And I want to start by telling you what makes the refuge different. Like there are other groups who do addiction ministry. There are other organizations doing this. And so I want to tell you why the refuge. So the first thing is uh, that the refuge is committed to the gospel of Jesus being the true hope for those who struggle with addiction. And you've heard that tonight from our other ministries, but this is so important to us, that the refuge is the true hope, or not the refuge, the gospel through the refuge is the true hope. And, um, you know, we want to offer eternal hope for addiction, right? It's not just enough that people are cleaned up and sobered up now in this life. We need to offer them hope that lasts longer into eternity. And so that's why the gospel is important. And if we point people to sobriety without pointing them to Jesus, we failed. And we don't ever want to do that. And so um, that's the first thing we're committed to, is that we want the gospel to be involved in everything we do. Um, secondly, the refuge is committed to the word of God and to biblical counseling. We're committed to the word of God. And that means that our, our answers and our solutions for addiction are way different than what you hear in the world. And it means they're not popular um, but it's the truth, right? If we're giving people the word of God, it's the truth. And so the world says addiction is a compulsive disease, right? They've bought into a model that says it's compulsive, it's out of my control, I have to cope, 
I have to recover. Um, and those are ideas that aren't found in the scriptures. The scriptures say that at the heart of all addiction issues is sin and idolatry. And although that's not popular, it's true. And it brings lots of hope, I believe, because when you can tell someone the problem is sin, you can also point them to Jesus who died and rose again to forgive sins and to transform them and to break the bonds of the idolatry in their life. And so that's the second thing that really sets us apart. And the third is that we're committed to the local church. And I've been reflecting, just as Pastor Pat said tonight, on parachurch ministries because we are one. And we are so um, excited about being committed to the local church and coming inside the local church in an area where we want to see the local church get more involved in people's lives. So those are the thing, the three things that we are just like super excited about making us different um, and setting us apart uh, by God's grace to do good ministry for the Lord. But also I want to tell you just kind of our vision for the refuge. Like I said, the refuge exists to uh, take the light of the gospel to the darkness of addiction and that's our purpose statement, but our vision is so much bigger than that. And so there's really two things that go into what we want to be about at the refuge as we take the gospel into addiction. The first is that we want to equip and mobilize local churches to do addiction ministry. We want to equip and localize local churches to do addiction ministry. And really, this just comes out of the Great Commission that we're called to take the gospel to all nations. And this is an area where the gospel is desperately needed. Um, you know, in my experience, there are not a lot of local churches that are intentionally doing ministry for people struggling with addiction. It's just not happening. I don't see it a lot of places. doesn't mean that they don't care, but it's just not something that's intentional. And it's something that a lot of people go to, uh, outside of the church to find help for. And to me, that really has got to change. Like, the church should be ready to help people and not send them to a place, you know, maybe they're called professionals or whatever, that they're not going to hear the word of God. And then they come back to the church, you kind of got to like clean things up, right? And get in there with the word of God and with the gospel. And so, you know, my, my passion is that the local church would be mobilized to do addiction ministry. I was thinking about Mark chapter 2, verse 17 today. It says, um, Jesus says that it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And so the church is really intentional to uh, fulfill the Great Commission in a lot of ways. And I think that addiction ministry and recovery ministry needs to be added to that list. And uh, the second thing we want to do is to, uh, in, in helping mobilize local churches, is to just put together resources and things that can help them get started. I think a lot of times people don't know how to get involved. Uh, churches don't know what to do. They're not equipped. Uh, just a, like a month ago, I talked to um, a gal from our church who was trying to find help for her cousin who lives in Louisville, Kentucky, who was in a detox center uh, in super bad shape. Um, the guy had had like a liver transplant and gone back to drinking. His life is just, he's out of control. She's calling churches, gospel-believing churches, based on their information, some that you would recognize the name of their pastors who said, I'm sorry, we don't do that. Like they just, she was begging someone to go to this detox center and share the gospel with her cousin. And it was just, we're sorry, we don't do that. And so we want to help churches get past feeling like they're not equipped. And so that begins by putting together training resources 
and like basic biblical counseling training that's specific for addictions, as well as just like blueprints for how you might start a ministry. We want churches to make it their own. We don't want it to be just like a refuge program that's plugged into our church. We want churches to make it their own, but we want to give them the things that they need to get started and see their ministry grow and just see God do good things. So that's our first thing. Our goal is to equip and mobilize local churches to offer a program that doesn't come from outside the church, but like from people within their congregation who are burdened because, you know, this issue is in our communities, but it's also in our congregations. I don't think we can really deny that there are struggles within and without. So that's the first thing. The second thing that we would like to do is to uh, establish a men's program in Winterset. We would love to establish a men's program in Winterset. This actually was the first thing that we set out to do, and the, the Lord has refined our vision and refined what we do to see that really we need local churches doing ministry to create a need for a men's program. And that's a big deal to have this order right and for us to see that because um, without local churches doing this, doing this ministry like a men's program is a good idea, but it's not a necessity. And so we need to get to a place at the refuge. We want to be at a place where this program, this is a necessity. And I think that happens as local churches get involved because uh, they quickly get in over their heads. And what I mean by that uh, is really what we've seen happen at Redeemer. We've been doing recovery ministry for two to three years at Redeemer Church. And uh, we have ministered to many men who, whose lives are so out of control, we just were not able to provide the kind of constant help and accountability and structure that they needed um, to get, you know, help and to get in, like, just under the Word of God in a way uh, that's constant and changes their lives. Because the chains of addiction go so deep that it just, they need to come away from normal life. And so we're really looking to establish a program and uh, we want to be a place that when churches are ministering to men and they say, this guy needs more help than like, like daily program type of help, we want to provide a place where they can send men. We want to provide a place where families can send their loved ones um, and be confident that they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear good teaching. They're going to hear um, biblical counseling that they need to hear. They're going to be plugged into local churches, a program that's built on the church. And so... That's what we want to do. We want to establish a men's program in Winterset, and uh, we don't have that going, but our goal in 2019 is to lay the foundation for that. Our goal is to put together um, everything from like a business plan to the program and the resources and the Bible studies and everything that would be used in there while praying that God would uh, lead us to like a rental property. We want to start really small. We don't want to start big we got to walk before we run. So we're looking to open this thing up with two to three men and uh, go from there as God grows the ministry. Um, so as I, as I finish, I just want to say we had our fall banquet here last year, or not last year, we did last year, but last week we had our fall banquet here. And uh, the Lord blessed that, but um, we're going to have video on our website of that program so you can hear a lot more details about the vision of the refuge on the web this week as we get that up. Um, but I just want to, you know, tell you how you can get involved, uh, how you can partner with the refuge. Uh, first of all, I want to ask you, like, is there anybody here, maybe it's you, who has a burden for people struggling with addiction? Does anybody have a burden to take the gospel to these people? Because that's where it starts. You know, it's not 
a well-put-together program that changes lives. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it's the Holy Spirit working. And that begins with people saying, I want to get involved in people's lives. And so maybe that's you, um, but pray for the refuge. Pray that we can be connected with other churches. Pray that God grows the ministry and brings about the reality of a men's ministry uh, program in Winterset, a residential program. Um, also pray for me. You know, God's been working a lot. Uh, I'll be starting full-time at the refuge in December. And so I'm leaving a job and trusting the Lord. And, you know, we've got some money in the bank to keep us going for a while, but I've got support to raise. So pray for that. If you're interested in talking about how you can partner with us, I would love to talk to you afterwards. Um, and so just pray for my family as we do that. And just pray that God will grow his kingdom through addiction ministry. That's the biggest thing we want to happen is for like the church to grow. I just have this vision, um, this mental picture of churches all over like getting involved in this area like they haven't before and just seeing how God can grow a church that way and how he can grow his kingdom because it's happened in Redeemer, uh, at Redeemer in Winterset. We have like men who have been added to the church and women as well who like came through our GCR program, which is gospel-centered recovery. And so... It's a real thing that people need. Uh, I want to end with one verse, uh, Luke chapter 9, verse 35. And it says this. I think that's my verse. I just gave you Luke. Let me try Matthew. I'm really not making this up as I go. Yeah, that's it. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus continued going around to all the towns and villages, teaching their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dejected like sheep without a shepherd. And I think people struggling with addiction wander around like that a lot. Distressed, dejected, they need a shepherd, and that's Jesus Christ. So then he said to his disciples, the harvest is abundant, the workers are few, therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into that harvest. So my prayer is that God use the refuge to send workers out into the harvest for the glory of God. So, thank you. Wow. That's a lot of great stuff packed into a short amount of time. I'm Josh Anderson, and with me is Charity Pearson, and we are two members of the missions committee here at Sailorville Church. The other committee members are Tanner Archer, Diane DeClean, Vivian Schwab, and John Nemers. It's a thrilling time to be involved in pretty much everything at Sailorville Church right now, and missions is no exception. And the more I observe this body in action, the more I'm convinced our culture for missions and our commitment to that runs deep, and I love it. You know, I'm, I'm really excited about the vision that our pastors and leadership have shared with us recently about the Engage Network and the intentional plan to develop leaders and that leadership pipeline. And we look at that Engage Network as a fellowship of gospel-centered churches that are planting gospel-centered churches. And we're excited today about the news that was shared about North Ankeny being the fifth location for a church plant out of that network. Do you realize the money that Sailorville Church gives towards those efforts comes out of our missions fund? Our missions budget includes money towards that every year. I think it's very fitting commitment and demonstration to the Great Commission 
that we start locally. And obviously, the intention of evangelism and the growth are the same expectations we have around the world for the people that we partner with. Not only locally, but globally. And we look at how we partner with people who are taking the good news of Jesus Christ to the nations. And that someday every tribe, people's languages, will have heard the gospel. And we're an active part of that. Just last Sunday night, we celebrated and voted in Tyler and Kat Betts as being the fifth family that will be active on the field somewhere in the world that are sent from Sailorville Church. That is awesome. In addition to those that we've sent, we have 19 other families that we partner with around the world that cover six different continents where the gospel is going forth. We're excited about that. What's really exciting is if you could get a behind-the-scenes look at what the missions committee is going through right now, we have 12 names on our watch list that we are praying through, prioritizing, anticipating how God is working in these different people in different phases of their journey towards missions. Many of them people you would know, all of them have some connection with Sailorville, and we're excited to see what God's going to do with those names, and I'm sure many more that maybe even next weekend at our missions conference we'll hear about. Speaking of our missions conference, one of the things we did as we had an opening about a year ago on the missions committee is we brought in Charity Pearson to join our team and gave her one job. <laughs> Let's make the missions conference work. And uh, Charity and Lisa Johnson together have done an outstanding job of overseeing all the different details and pulling all of this stuff together. So I'm going to do what I've been doing since February, which is recognize their passion for missions and their administrative talents, and I'm going to get out of the way and let Charity talk. Thanks, Josh. When Josh asked me if I would join the missions committee and plan mission conference, my answer had to be yes. My answer had to be yes because that culture of missions that Josh talked about has been such a blessing and encouragement in my life. My parents are missionaries that Sailorville supports in Portugal, Cal and Joyce Volker. And we moved to Portugal when I was 13 years old. And since that day, Sailorville has been an indescribable blessing to my life. Um, when we moved to Portugal, I had friends my age from this church that kept in touch with me. When we came back on furlough, they were inviting me to hang out. They were encouraging me. They were blessing me. Um, and that's huge to come back and feel like you have those connections and um, you're not just kind of wandering around. But they encouraged me. Um, when I was in college, I actually, one of the pictures that's been floating around social media, my parents are up here during Missionary Christmas, and my dad is holding an iPod touch, and that was given to me. I wasn't even here, um, but somebody purchased that for me, and it was a, a huge encouragement to be able to um, receive that, and even as a um, college student away at college, Sailorville Church was encouraging me. Um, my parents have stayed in the mission house. They've used one of the vans that meet huge needs that they otherwise would have to find a different way to meet during their times here. And um, one of the ways that you're still encouraging me through your culture of missions is by encouraging me and others, but specifically me and my family. It's difficult sometimes when your family is so far away and it's um, absolutely a blessing to know that they're following the Lord. But Sometimes that leaves gaps, and so your encouragement to me and Kyle and Emery um, while my parents are far away is huge. It's huge for me. It's huge for them. Um, so, like I said, huge blessing to my life, and why do I tell you all of that? Because I don't want you to stop 
I want you to do that for the missionaries that we have. I want you to do that for their families that are here in our church. Um, keep that going. And I have an amazing opportunity for you to do that thing, that very thing, next weekend is our missions conference. It starts next week. Next weekend, we've got several things going on. The men and women's breakfast on Saturday. Sign up today. Get signed up. Come to that. It's going to be very encouraging. Um, we talk a lot about you should go to things because they're going to be encouraging for you, and it will be. But you should go to encourage the missionaries. That should be your goal in going. Go talk to them. Encourage them. Um, find out how you can pray for them. Find out how you can encourage them. Right after the missionary or the men and women's breakfast, there's going to be our missionary Christmas. If you can stay around from that and watch those missionaries open the gifts that you have so amazingly provided. Praise the Lord that he has allowed you to do that. It's a major blessing. That's Saturday. On Sunday next week, our whole day is going to be missions conference focused. It's going to be a great time. Come to the morning services. It's something you're going to do already. So how awesome is that? You can come. We're going to be hearing from our missionaries. Um, Sunday night is going to be an international festival, and then we're going to be um, commissioning Ty and Kat, and it's going to just be such a special, special time. So come, be encouraged, encourage our missionaries. Um, you can get one of these awesome shirts next weekend. Shameless plug, be on the look for those. Um, if you are saying, okay, yes, what can I do? We do still have a few needs that you could help us meet for next weekend, some ways that you can serve that we'd love to get you plugged into. If you um, are interested in that, come find me afterwards. I'll hang around in the auditorium and I'd love to let you know how you can help. So, yeah, and oh, I was gonna mention one more thing, the men and women's breakfast, there is childcare through kindergarten. So um, if that was something that may have held you back, don't let it, because that's um, taken care of for you. So thanks so much for creating that culture that runs so deep of missions at Sailorville. Um, keep going, it's worth it, and it's blessed my life. I know it's gonna continue to bless the lives of the rest of our missionaries. Thanks. Thanks, Charity. I guess I don't need this, do I? Uh, thanks. So make sure you're planning on the missions conference starting next Wednesday. Lots going on. Thanks for that plug. Get signed up because there is babysitting. And uh, it's a big, big weekend. Lucas Bear is the keynote speaker next Sunday morning. Uh, and of course, everything that Charity has already said. Let's thank all of our, these wonderful Followers of Christ over ministries and parachurch ministries that presented their ministry tonight. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you. Now you can imagine uh, being told you only have seven minutes. Ben, by the way, way over the top on that. Uh, but uh, uh, to, to present your mid, but, but Ben illustrate how much they want to say, how much they'd like to say, how much they'd like to share with you. So they're here and they're here to talk. You've heard. They all need your help. They all need your hands. They'd love to have your input. Love to have your gifts, financial gifts as well. They're going to be up here, every one of them, to interact with, get their brochures. Don't run away. I mean, some of you got to run away and get your kids. I get that here in about two minutes. But the rest of you, come on up here, talk with these individuals, interact with them, and encourage them. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll talk to you later. <laughs>